Today we're continuing our mailbag segment with some more real life scenarios to talk through. We're gonna talk about rush malpractice insurance, like you need it in a few days, getting credentialed way before you actually plan on opening your practice, and how best to structure locum tenens coverage. Stay tuned. Welcome to Malpractice Insights, the show dedicated to helping healthcare professionals understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. My name is Jennifer Wiggins, CEO of Aegis Malpractice Solutions, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. All right, let's jump in. Our first question in the mailbag today says... Hi, Jennifer. I am a CRNA who is working full-time for a large anesthesia group, and I have an opportunity to moonlight at a pain clinic just one day a week. I need malpractice insurance, but I must have it by Friday. I do have one quote already on hand, but I'd like to compare some other options. Can you please help? Okay, so this was a request that came in the door on a Monday for a CRNA that needed coverage by Friday. So I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the general timeline for getting malpractice insurance, and then I'll answer how we specifically helped this provider. But so just so you know, malpractice insurance can be obtained really quickly, but it really depends on what your approach is. So if you just need coverage and you don't care what the price is, you don't really want to shop around, you just need rapid fire, quick insurance. You can absolutely contact a carrier directly or contact an agent and say, I want to go with carrier X and you can fill out an application and you can get coverage probably within one or two business days. So that's probably the quickest you could get coverage. But most people don't really know what their options are for malpractice. And so they would rather take a look at a few different quotes from a few different companies. And as you might suspect, that takes a little bit more time. So our general approach when we help a provider get quotes for malpractice insurance, we don't have them fill out any applications up front. But what we will do is pull some basic rates and then have the carriers give us their approximate credits. So that way we can tell the provider, here's what you're looking at in terms of potential options and what the price might be with each of these different companies. That typically can take anywhere from two weeks to up to 30 days. It just depends on how backlogged the carriers are and how quickly we can get them all of the information that they need. So, you know, if it takes on average, you know, 10 days to two weeks to get the, that type of a quote done, you know, having something like this to a doctor by Friday or a CRNA by Friday is kind of a tall order. Um, so I first had to just educate him in terms of we can do our best, but there's no promises that I can get you a really comprehensive market overview by the end of the week. So what we did instead was I just went to a few of the carriers that tend to do a better job for us with CRNAs. I know roughly that their rates are a little bit more competitive. And so we basically narrowed it down to only a few options as opposed to going to the entire marketplace. Doing this did let us move a little bit more quickly, but we were able to find out that the quote he already had on hand with another carrier was actually going to be the best option for him. So the way that we resolved this with this particular CRNA, as much as he wanted to work with us, because he already had a quote in hand from another carrier, and it was actually a carrier he went to directly, um, it was just quicker for him to go ahead and bind with them directly. 
Now, we could have gone through the process of appointing ourselves as his agent of record because we are appointed with that carrier. So, I mean, we really could have slowed it down a little bit more and we could have taken over as his agent and that way he could continue working with us to represent his business with this company. But given the time frame, I just told him lock it in directly because that was in his best interest to get what he needed by the end of the week. So just keep in mind, I mean, absolutely you can have rush malpractice insurance done. You're going to be cutting some corners if you need to, you know, get it done within a few days. But it is possible to do that. You just need to make sure you know that it's going to make a little bit more limited um, market options for you. But it's possible. So I was glad this doctor got what he needed. This CRNA got what he needed by the end of the week. Um, so he is good to go. So that was our first mailbag. Let's look at our next question for the day. It says, hello, I am a dermatologist in South Carolina, and I am still about six months from opening my private practice. But I've been told that I need to start the credentialing process now. The problem is I need to have proof of malpractice insurance. Is there a way for me to get credentialed now without having to pay for unnecessary coverage? Okay, so those of you who are in private practice or dealing with the payers, you're very familiar with this scenario. So it does take a really long time to get the credentialing process started and finished. I mean, it's really, really long. I think I'd heard somebody say 120 days, if not more, is the average time to get credentialed. So for a provider like this who's opening up their private practice, credentialing is really important. You have to get set up, but you also have to have proof of malpractice insurance. And so that kind of puts you in a sticky predicament because malpractice insurance is expensive and you don't necessarily want to be paying for it when you're not actually working yet or seeing any patients. So there's a delicate balance between getting what you need for credentialing but not starting the policy sooner than you actually need it to. So here's what we generally do with these types of requests. Depending on how far out we're looking, so for this product provider it was six months, most carriers will accept an application once you're within 90 days of actually starting to see patients. Now, there is a little bit of, a, of wiggle room depending on what carrier you're working with where they might give you a little bit more time than the 90 days. But generally speaking, we can't submit anything and officially bind coverage until we're within that 90-day window. So when you're six months out or you're longer than three months out in this particular example, what you typically have to do is go ahead and get your quotes, compare your options in the marketplace, narrow it down to the carrier that you're most interested in moving forward with, and then I just suggest that you go ahead and fill out an application and get pre-approved. So have the underwriter go ahead and look at your application, make sure you meet all of their current underwriting guidelines. Now we're not going to be able to actually turn the policy on until we're within that 90 day mark, but at least what we can do is make sure that you've met the underwriting criteria, you're essentially pre-approved, ready to go. And then oftentimes what we can do is either draft a memo or issue a certificate with a future effective date and that generally will satisfy the credentialers to show that you will have malpractice insurance as soon as you start working. But in the meantime, you know, we don't want to turn that on and have you start paying before you need to. Now, depending on the credentialing organization and who you're working with, sometimes that will work and sometimes it won't. Sometimes they will absolutely need you to have an active policy in order to get credentialed. And so if that's the case, if there's no wiggle room there, then sometimes you do have to actually turn that policy on sooner than you might need to, which does mean you have to pay premium sooner than you probably would want. 
but that's typically how that scenario works out. So again, depending on how far away we're looking for a start date, um, how flexible the carrier is, sometimes that pre-approval process will work really, really well. So just something to consider. I know that that's like a major pain when you're trying to get a practice set up, but we will work with you as best as we can. And quite frankly, any agent will too, to make sure that they can get you what you need so that you can get going without paying before you actually need to. Okay, last question in the mailbag for this week says, I am a primary care provider considering some locums opportunities in several states out west. I've been told that a few of these facilities will provide me with malpractice insurance, but some will not. Should I just get malpractice insurance for the ones that I'm personally responsible for, or would it make more sense for me to just get one policy to cover them all? So these types of requests have become a little bit more common where we've got providers that are either doing 1099 work or locums work and they've got you know contracts at multiple different locations and every clinic every practice is a little different sometimes they will have malpractice insurance that they can extend to you by either adding you onto their group policy or you know letting you get insurance through their particular carrier but a lot of times they'll tell you especially if you're 1099 and you're not actually employed they'll actually tell you that you've got to get your own. So that's kind of what we're dealing with with this particular locums provider. So should you get just one policy to cover everything or should you just kind of find insurance to fill in the holes? Well, it really depends. First is what I would say is take a look at what kind of malpractice insurance is being provided for you. So let's just say hypothetically this locums guy has three clinics he's going to work at. Let's say that one of those clinics will provide the malpractice. I would just tell him to take a look at what kind of coverage it is. Make sure that it's, you know, a good carrier, one of the top, you know, A-rated good national companies that's going to be here for the long haul. Make sure you know what kind of policy it is, whether it's occurrence or claims made, because as we've talked about before, you guys know this by now, if it's claims made, you also need to figure out who has to buy that tail when you're done working for them. So find out who's the carrier, what kind of policy is it, also figure out if there's any other limitations. Chances are that policy will only cover you for what you do at their clinic, which only makes sense. So you're only insured for what you do for them. So if you feel like that coverage is sufficient, if it's a good carrier, if it's a good policy type, if you're not wanting to pay anything additional, then I would say keep that insurance where it is and then just get a supplemental policy for the other two locations. But if you find that the insurance that they're providing for you is not that great, maybe it's with, you know, a smaller risk retention group or a company that you're not familiar with or you're not comfortable with, or if the, you know, tail, um, like if they're going to make you buy the tail or if it's just not in your best interest what they're offering you, then I would actually decline the coverage from the clinic and I would just get the one policy to cover all three locations. And here's the other thing to consider, you know, depending on where these clinics are located, chances are adding that third clinic to a policy that already insures the other two may not change the price at all. Because the way that carriers price malpractice insurance is they're looking at the risk at each of the three locations. Let's just say that all three are in the same geographic area. They're all in, let's just say Phoenix, Arizona or something like that. You know, working at three different primary care clinics or three different pain clinics all in the same area is gonna be the same price. So adding one additional location or even a fourth location probably won't change the premium all that much. So 
It might just be better for you to have one policy that controls everything that you're doing. And that also just administratively makes it a little bit easier for you. So you don't have to worry about managing your own policy and then dealing with whatever kind of insurance the group has for you. So there are a lot of different ways you can go about this. It's really important that you work with an agent that can kind of help you assess the coverage that you currently have with that one clinic that you're working for. And they can help you decide if it's still, if it's good, if you're fine with that, or if it might make sense to do something different. So Lots of things to consider when it comes to locums, but oftentimes just having the one policy is the cleanest, easiest way to go about it. If you have any questions on these topics or you want to make sure that you are covered appropriately, click the link in the description box below where you can connect with us via phone, email, or chat today. And if you're listening, please visit us online at aegismalpractice.com. That's A-E-G-I-S malpractice.com. And don't forget that our mailbag link is now live on our website. So if you have a question that you'd like me to answer here on the podcast, check out the link below where you can drop us a line and ask your question. Or schedule a quick 10-minute phone call for a personal consultation to discuss your unique insurance needs. This is Jennifer Wiggins. Thanks for joining us.